Now put your drinks up, it's time to make a toast They never thought that they'd be cheering for the weirdos We put our heart in every beat so you can hear it close Okay, now hear it Hi, and welcome to Gear Switch. We're back after a brief interlude. Real life is a thing. But hey, I'm Jess. And I'm Colette. And we are stoked to be back to bring you this exciting fake goth survivor series. Yeah, three hours, I'm sure. This is gonna this is gonna be a long topic. <laughs> <laughs> um and- <laughs> At the gym, we'll be very excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we were talking, and the two of us both have like five different. Well, not five different because we have some overlap, but we have five. Each have a list of five teams of five. Teams of five. Drive to survive. <laughs> I mean, one of mine is like a team of like five in and of itself, but <laughs> a team of five. <laughs> so you've got like a team of nine. Yeah, but that's fine. They all bear discussion <laughs> together. I mean, there are like five or three or like depending on whichever iteration you're talking about. But anyway. Yeah, it'll be fair. It'll be fair. It's fine. We'll start out, though, with the ever anticipated March wash. Yes. Oh, we have a lot to talk about. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the with the undisputed worst T-shirt design of 2018 or the undisputed worst merchandise of 2018? <laughs> Let's do the shirt first. All right. So, as some of y'all may be aware, a a wrestler, um, oh, Jesus, he doesn't even have his first name in his Twitter account, and I think he blocked me, so I can't really find it anymore. Oh, Matthew Palmer. Matthew Palmer uh, is his name. He uh, dates or is married to or is, uh, like, fiancéed up with uh, Ember Moon, and this is the only thing any anyone knows about him, like... He's not a good enough wrestler to get by on his own merits, uh, from what I understand. Yeah, he really isn't anybody special himself. Yeah, I mean, he just looks like, you know, like one of those dudes who is typical indie wrestler, like middle of the card guy, but like in Florida, which means that in any other state, he would be like an opening of the card guy or like a battle royale guy. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, kind of shitty haircut kind of sort of terrible beard kind of sort of built like looks like he spends some time at the gym but not enough to like there's like he's like i don't know the 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 default creator wrestler in like smackdown to know your role uh for like playstation (laughs) (laughs) um you know there's nothing there's nothing high definition about him uh except for the fact that like to support he claims his his uh quote-unquote racist character uh, he wears and released for sale briefly on on pro wrestling tees uh, a shirt that reads Matthew Palmer, King of the Black Women. There's still screenshots of him wearing it, like on. I'm looking at his Twitter right now. Which, by the way, Palmer, Mister Moon, Mister Moon. Yeah. yeah, he. I think he was the guy who got really sour about like somebody referring to him as Ember Moon's like husband i keep wanting to say ember moon's girlfriend that's a much better reality than the one we live in it is yeah he's really leaning into it now though but there's still like lots of screenshots of him like wearing the shirt on his instagram or on yeah. his uh, on his twitter i mean i'm sure it's a shirt that he will continue to wear since he's yes. like pretty like his his whole thing was like it's a character that like the indie fed wrote for me as if i don't know we can we can talk about how 90% of indie feds work and like they're not produced like 
the writing room for a major television show like it's not the wire and uh his his compelling story of being a racist misogynist probably isn't one that like a room full of people were like yes how can we move this forward oh i know we can have him wear a t-shirt and he can sell that t-shirt and that t-shirt will have a very generous drawing of him <laughs> um with a black woman draped over his shoulder and everyone's gonna hate it and it'll be great like that's not that's not how this works but like i, I feel like i fairly cursorily described it it's a green t-shirt uh the drawing on it looks nothing like him uh it's like one of those like i feel like super idealized white dudes who are into comic books like visualizing themselves as comic book characters kind of drawings yeah <clears throat> and whoever whoever did it didn't even use him as a photo reference they just drew like a jacked white dude in a loincloth yeah <laughs> it looks like it looks like like really i don't know really bad art that like somebody would do with like a D character or whatever it's really bad yeah yeah or like you know like when when like artists on like tumblr or whatever like need some money to get by and they're like we'll draw like if you give me like 35 dollars or whatever like i'll do a quick sketch on like a, a post-it note of like an avatar for your Twitter account. And he took that and made it into a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of felt like this wasn't a thing that needed to be discussed that much because the entire internet like ripped into shreds over yeah. it. Um, except for, of course, you know, like the three or four people who were like, uh, like that's, that's not racist. Like he dates a black woman. Like, that kind of thing, yeah. which is like always like the first resort of like casual racists, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this can't be racist or misogynist. He knows of a black woman, uh, but like I guess in like his case, he like knows of a black woman in the sense that he probably lives with Ember Moon. I don't know their like dating situation. I imagine I would hope that it's a thing that they've since had a conversation about. Uh, it's just a generally uncool thing, which like I think I said this on on Twitter. There, there's like two things to think about with a shirt like this and like really any shirt like the Vince Russo like castrate the marks shirt mm -hmm. and stuff like that like this thing where it's like the fact that a person has to conceive of this have somebody design it approve that design send it to pro wrestling tees who also have to approve that design like make the screen or whatever I don't know how direct a garment printing works but like they have to like prepare it for printing uh, they have to put it up on their website and then like someone has to buy it. Like that's like a lot of like gates for a t-shirt design to pass through. And the fact that like all of, like all of the gates were passed by this King of the black women t-shirt uh, is very concerning. Like anyone who knows me knows that I have all kinds of problems with pro wrestling tees like up to and including the one time that i found like a, a nazi wrestling podcast had like put like nazi propaganda up on the pro wrestling tees website and their response was well we can't vet any everybody which is not true like they absolutely can yeah but like this is like i think in a in a manner of speaking like worse than a podcast that like no one is going to buy a t-shirt for um, granted, like there was a tweet that Matthew Palmer tweeted, which is maybe the saddest wrestler tweet I've ever seen, where he was like, <laughs> I've only sold 30 t-shirts lifetime, oh, uh, which, God. Is, which is crazy because I sold like 30 Sega Saturn, like all Japan pro wrestling shirts. And I think that it's 
charitable to assume that like maybe more people have like been in a room with Matthew Palmer and his t-shirts than like Americans have probably seen like the ring apron that is referencing. Right. But like for for somebody who sells like 30 t-shirts to just get like the green light from pro wrestling tees on something like this, it suggests that there's like pretty, pretty deep problems uh, in that organization when it comes to, like maybe uh maybe their views on race maybe their views on on you know like women like i don't know it's 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 like another one of those things that like sticks in my craw where i have been yelling for at least two years now um that like wrestlers should maybe invest a little bit more time in their image and the way that they distribute that image by like having a real t-shirt designer do stuff and then have it get printed by real people and send it in the mail like themselves. It's not only fulfilling, but it presents shit like this from happening because like, you're not going to spend money in advance. And I'm sorry for that bang. Um, like you're not going to spend money in advance on a shirt that like, isn't going to sell. Like we ask this question all the time, but who is going to wear this shirt in public? Like even to a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny is that um I have been in the store now. Um and I oh, no. <laughs> and I noticed that there are there are like I saw plenty of women and employees of color um walking around, but what that suggests to me is that those are not the people who have say over you know what what gets approved. Um and then, you know, the power structure of a business is really important, obviously. And you need people um, in leadership roles who are going to make conscientious decisions. Can you imagine if, like, pro wrestling tees unionized? <laughs> It'd be amazing. Um, I would be way into that. I would be super into it. Maybe I should just, like, go there and try to, like, organize an IWW. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, I've been staring at this picture of... Of, of Matthew Palmer in his t-shirt and like he he like beyond beyond how bad the t-shirt is like it's one of those shirts that has been like cut like the sleeves have been cut off but like they're really jagged and they don't match and it's kind of driving me crazy uh like looking at how like one of them is like super jagged at the side and then the other one like there's some of the stitching from where like the sleeve meets the the t-shirt like still hanging out it's really really (laughs) frustrating i mean like i sympathize because like i can't cut a straight line to save my life but like t-shirts make it really easy because you're just following a line God, oh, it's so weird. Like, if you're going to, like, cut the sleeves off of your shirt, you should also probably cut the neck out of your shirt. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> as, a, as a long-time punk, like, <laughs> I don't own any shirts that have uh, sleeves cut off that don't also have the neck cut out because it looks... It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It looks so weird and bad. And also, like, yeah. then it feels really weird and constrictive. So, like... No, no. I mean, like, I have I have ruined t-shirts trying to get, like, that, like, perfect super scoop neck to the point where, like, enough is showing, but, like, not quite everything. Yeah. And, then, like, this is his own t-shirt. Like, he could have done that. Like, like let the chest loose, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or at least show me some of that neck. <laughs> um, but, like, based on, based on the rest of, like, his, his physique, it's not, probably not much to look at. Yeah, he felt, like 
one of my friends. <laughs> just like casual, like, you know, when you like, you go, you go somewhere and they ask you like what your level of activity is like, or whatever, like sedentary to like extremely whatever. He's like right in the middle. Yeah. He's like a moderate, moderate on that scale. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it's just like, this is obviously a shitty t-shirt for like a lot of reasons, but also like, I really, I think that like, this is one of those, those things where like, if there was like a rule book to being a white professional wrestler, uh, in 2018, I think the thing that you want to avoid the most is the idea that you are a fucking racist. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Like if you're trying to appeal to the widest demographic and like say sell more than 30 shirts, um, You might want to consider that the wrestling fandom right now is extremely vocal. A lot of them are um, people from marginalized communities. Um, and a lot of us are on Twitter. <laughs> and are talking to you. <laughs> right. Even when we're not talking to you, like we know you're vanity searching. Yep. Um, you can find all manner of complaints or like misinterpret compliments. Uh, as to your prowess as like a heel or whatever, or if you're if you're especially lucky, you can vanity search and find people praising how good you are at slapping your leg, <laughs> um, which is disgusting. I hate that so much. Oh God, I hate it too. Um, like we fans have gotten so smart that we have regressed back to being stupid. Like that is like the worst possible thing to say to a wrestler, but people do it all the, all time. the time. Like I don't know. I know it's because I'm a ghoul, but like I don't want to meditate upon how safe a wrestler keeps things in the ring. Don't care. Um, my favorite pro wrestling match is one where uh, one of my top five favorite pro wrestlers of all time headbutts himself into an early grave. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can keep that, like, oh, like the way that he like cradles his head and shoulders before power bombing into the canvas is so like <laughs> nice and protective. Like, you can you can skip all of that the same way that John's like Matthew Palmer can probably skip vilely racist t-shirts God, it's like it is so bad and so inexcusable and there's like no way to read it that doesn't suck so much yeah and that's just tweets about slapping legs yeah matthew palmer thing yeah there's like nothing to say about it because it sucks and it's obvious that it sucks uh and this dude's go nowhere career is going nowhere very quickly congratulations on on being mentioned on a podcast um <laughs> Yeah, this is the most press, like, the, like, few articles that were written about him having a racist t-shirt. <laughs> most of which quoted my tweets. Yeah. Didn't get paid for that. You can, you can send me a Ko-Fi or however you pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, we, should, we should move on from, from, from Matthew Palmer into uh, our, like, actual, like, kings of this segment. <laughs> uh, Doing it again. <laughs> The young bucks. We've been six episodes now, and they have featured in Merch Watch like four times. <laughs> I think they've, they've at least been mentioned every single time. Oh God! But yeah, this time, this time out, we're talking about uh, finally uh, their their new line of of shoes, the Super Kicks. Uh, I can't even. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> I I said that really seriously, super kick, uh, and it really Trademark. like it makes me yeah. I, I, it probably it is. is. I'm uh, looking at the page me, now. It's, it's so gross. Like just the super kicks, super kicks, high tops, young bucks killing the business. 
parentheses, three to four weeks to ship. However, they're sold out, uh, which means enough people spent $125 on these shoes that you can no longer uh, sign a contract in blood with Pro Wrestling Tees saying that you will not complain about how long it takes to get these shoes on Twitter. Uh, Jess, you have been fixated on these since we found them, which was all the way back, I think, like episode one or two when we were talking about the, the children's clothing that future generations will be embarrassed to have been forced to wear. So how about you describe these, uh, the super, the Young Bucks super kicks for us? I hate them so much because they are so <laughs> expensive and also because they are meant to look like something that I love very much, which is like 80s skate shoe design um, and like skateboard deck design. And they do it really poorly. And that makes me very sad because that's an aesthetic that I love. So it's obviously meant to look like some Bones Brigade shit. There are the skulls of the Young Bucks with trademark sideburns and headband, which is the only way that you can tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, That's fair. And uh, a metal font slash thrash font. Um, it's the Hulk Hogan font. But it's really the Hulk Hogan font. Like, it's trying to be the metal font, but it's the Hulk Hogan font. I'm pretty sure it's the Hulk Hogan font. It's like, that's, that also really irritates me. The printing of the design is really weird and bad. Young Bucks is not even like complete. Like the words Young Bucks are not even complete. Um, the piece of canvas that makes up the side panel, like runs into the rubber of the sole before the logo completes. Um, so it says Young Rocks. But <laughs> <laughs> That could just be like the usual like pro wrestling tees like, this this print will look different, you know, every single time you see it. Like it's gonna be Yeah, that's just the Hulk Hogan font. It's just the Hulk Hogan font. And it says Young Rucks. Like seriously. Like if you look up Hulkamania shirt, like and then look at like the L's on the word killing, it's legit like somebody imagining what the other words of the alphabet look like in the Hulkamania yeah. font. Which, as I have just found out, you can still buy a uh, WWE scratch logo era hulkamania t-shirt uh, from walmart if you're interested for a full 20 bucks Damn. i think they're like walmart's also in like the direct the garment printing game because oh, yeah. there's like an all over hulk hogan retro adult all over print tee with like the most hideous <laughs> <laughs> logo placements oh my god of time. oh my god that's like incredibly bad i'll have to post that to twitter please later. do so yeah, like my my thought on on this wasn't so much like skateboard stuff because I uh, I was definitely more of like a soft indie girl. Uh, like Sufjan Stevens, like probably wears uh, Converse high tops, but uh, I imagine that they're like plain ones. I mean, this is our our sweet femme butch dynamic that um <laughs> yeah <laughs> that everybody loves. Um, yeah. So like my first instinct was after blanching at the price tag uh, to go to the Converse web store and sort everything uh, from like highest price to low. And there is only one pair of shoes that Converse sells right now that is more expensive than the knockoff Converse, like Young Bucks shoes. And that is a pair of Chucks, a pair of low top Chucks that have been designed by John Varvatos, a legit... <laughs> like a legitimate fashion person <laughs> um 
and 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 as all good streetwear does you know the description is like converse x john barbados specifically it's the the chuck two so the redesigned chuck taylors that have like nike technology to make them quote unquote more comfortable uh herringbone stripe low tops and like the thing is like they look uh they look pretty good like for not for 140 dollars uh considering that like the way that i wear shoes like these would fall apart in like three months yeah me too but like the bottom of the sole like looks good i don't know like before we recorded we were like making fun of uh like <laughs> john Barbados's cologne uh the bottle to which looks like it's like kind of like wrapped in twine or something almost like like when you go to like a quote-unquote authentic italian restaurant and like the bottle of wine is in like kind of like a thatched looking like wicker basket sort of holder slash like the citronella candle holder yeah, like it looks yeah. like it's in one of those yeah but it turns out that's not a bad aesthetic for shoes um yeah. it's certainly a better aesthetic than uh this like kind of fake metal head thing where like of course like the young bucks uh, like the rebels they are, are still on these $125 pair of shoes, like railing against like the old, like the old and irrelevant men who like bitterly complain that they're like flippy pile driver bullshit is, is killing the business, <laughs> which there's, there's nothing more rebellious uh, than like purchasing a pair of tennis shoes that make it known to the world that you care about the opinions of two young Mormon gentlemen who care about the opinions of like an old man from Louisville who wears family guy t-shirts six out of seven days of the week. (laughs) Um, Like it's, it's like, that's, 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 that's what we're like coming around to. And like the, something that neither of us have, have kind of mentioned is that like the entire aesthetic of these shoes uh, is horrifying. Like, Besides the fact that like these shoes definitely cost like twenty dollars to make because they're knockoff chucks, uh, yeah. like you're supposed to compare them to the All Star, um, but they're not because like if they were actual chucks, like that would kind of be an impressive coup. Like I think the only brand Chuck Taylor right now is a Looney Tunes one. Um, so like the inside, like the inner sole, like there's the pro wrestling tees logo, um, like imprinted on it. Which I mean, like the thought of stepping on that logo the world's saddest American flag does kind of appeal to me uh, <laughs> on like a base level. I think there's like less expensive ways of doing it. But yeah, like it's just, it's, it's one of those things where like, if you really wanted to, you could buy a pair of like plain ass Chuck Taylors and like commission your favorite wrestling fan artists to do a different wrestler or the same wrestler or like any, like you can have them do anything. Like drawing on tennis shoes used to be like a really fun thing to do in like middle school. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that somebody could do some really, really cool, especially now that there are an assortment of like extra fine line Sharpies in the world. Yeah. There, uh, you could do some really, really cool stuff with drawing on plain white shoes. Or you could just, you could do something like really not cool and just write the words young bucks on your tennis shoes and you'll look about as cool as the person who spent $125 on <laughs> on those shoes, you know, and you'll save a bunch of money. The shoes are bad. Um, they're also like, this, so they're against like a really non metal slash skate looking background, which is like the splatter paint. Yeah. I mean, they look like they're tights, right? Yeah, they look like they're tights. Yeah, I don't know. I think that these are meant to like appeal to like sneaker collectors or whatever. So like that like crowd of people who like 
spends a bunch of money on shirt like sneakers which is like cool like that's a cool hobby and but like takes them out of the box and like looks at them and then like tucks them gently back in the box and like puts them away forever i have friends who like i think own enough pairs of tennis shoes that they could wear a different pair every day of the month which is like that's astonishing to me and i think that that's like specifically who this is meant to cater for so like i definitely have this picture in my mind of like some like super satisfied like white b-boy cherishing these shoes like tucking them under his bed at night like after wearing them to the ring of honor show i guess that's the kind of that's the world we live in that's the fandom that we're a part of they're they're sold out jess like you can't buy these if you want to um right now yeah they're in the same like negative zone that the uh cracker barrel young bucks head exists in like they're horrifying but they they only exist for those who already have one (laughs) <laughs> and thankfully, neither of us have a pair of these or one of those hats. We've been spared that particular kind of misery. When you take the Pro Wrestling Tees shuttle bus <laughs> um, <laughs> to All In later this year, uh, you will not be the coolest person in said bus, for which I am eternally sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convince you to take that bus. You don't have to go to the show. I just want you to take the bus. <laughs> I just wanted to do an ethnography of the all-in bus. I just remember, like, the first Ring of Honor show, I think, had, like, a thing where the hit squad got on the bus that, like, took people from New York or wherever to Philadelphia or wherever the first Ring of Honor show was. I'm really sorry that I don't know more about early Ring of Honor. Um, but, like, the first match of Ring of Honor was, like, two very large gentlemen beating the shit out of two very small gay people. Um, so I like kind of bounced on that real quick. Yeah, legit. But before that, before that, the hit squad were like two charming, very large gentlemen who, who wanted to know who the most hardcore fucking fans in the world were. And the answer to that question uh, at the first ring of honor show was ring of honor fans somehow. <laughs> but like, I, I figured that that's kind of what the all in bus will be like is like the first ring of honor buses, uh, which is to say like a horrifying collection uh, of mutants and otherwise nice people who kind of regret liking the bullet club. <laughs> um, and I think that you should, you should join them. Yeah. I mean, like I, part of me feels like I, part of me feels like I should go to all in just because it's here yeah (laughs) and part of me is like "Hmm." you should go to all in and take triple h selfies with everybody who's not in a bullet club t-shirt oh my god there'll be like two people it'll be great (laughs) yeah it'd be a quick project yeah just be done over and out (laughs) one of them might be ed who knows ed to go to all in get themselves to hate everything they love oh my god it'll just be like me and ed standing there hating (laughs) (laughs) like, <laughs> <laughs> like the old punks you are just yep. you know. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> yeah yeah do you have anything else to say about the super kicks uh, i do not it's been a while like in the interceding time like just real quick like have you have you purchased any wrestling merchandise lately i have not you haven't <laughs> no I think I've decided to just kind of like lean into this podcast and its mission and also like into the fact that my closet was largely dominated with like wrestling t-shirts anyhow. Yeah. Um, Like rather than being sad that my wardrobe has been like unchanged since high school, it turns out that like wrestling shirts are a lot less expensive than like women's tops. And people think that girls who wear wrestling shirts are attractive. So like I've just leaned into it. Like, uh, 
Amy Morgor on Twitter, uh, who is a photographer who I think like takes pictures of promotions like CTW and stuff like that. Um, got me an Atsushi Onita t-shirt. Like oh, cool. when, when Atsushi Onita managed to scam CCW out of a bunch of money, uh, God bless. And like that shirt's really cool. Like it's from Japan. Like Atsushi Onita is, is a pioneer in like a million and six ways. And I think that the one that I appreciate the most in 2018 is that like he came here from Japan seeking to rip off a terrible wrestling promotion, did so, and also brought like a billion t-shirts with him from Japan that were printed on Japanese t-shirts in that country and still doesn't have a pro wrestling t-shirt like store. He's the best, the all the all-time greatest. Also yesterday, uh I think I I was searching around and uh Virtual Pros posted a screen cap of uh of like a Ric Flair XKFC shirt that was on <laughs> um wbshot.com and i desperately wanted one because it was hilarious <laughs> and it was a it was a 30% off sale day uh so that meant that the $15 t-shirt was like $10 and i was like all right like i'm getting this rick flair shirt but i was like clicking around the rest of the site and got distracted by the fact that there were like lex luger socks yeah so i got i added the lex luger socks to my to my cart i added a pair of shinsuke nakamura socks to my cart which looked like the kind of thing that like minoru suzuki would get from stance <laughs> um and i was like about to check out and it was like it wouldn't let me it was like we don't have any more of these these rick flair x kfc shirts and i was like Really sad because it's the first good Ric Flair design uh, ever, I think, since he was the kind of person who got like t-shirts. I think the one good Ric Flair t-shirt was like part of this like WCW series in the 90s that was just like faces, like the faces of wrestlers like on a shirt. Like the NWO had their shirt, DDP had his shirt, like Macho Man had his shirt, and then like the WCW mainstays, uh, outside of like Sting, had like a, a series of shirts where it was like Ric Flair's face on a shirt, uh, the giant's face on a shirt. I think Sting had one too. Lex Luger, like that kind of thing. Because like not everyone got shirts in the 90s. It was like a very select grouping. Um, or like Stables got a shirt. Like the Job Squad had a shirt in WWF. And like outside of that, like everyone who's designed a Ric Flair shirt has kind of like leaned on his like faux wealth aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work because like any way you slice it, like Ric Flair has like an awful logo. Uh, and it looks bad. And when you put like a billion words on a shirt, like any Ric Flair catchphrase in like whatever the fancy equivalent to like metalhead cowboy font there is, the shirt always looks bad. So like this like KFC shirt looked like if Ric Flair were Colonel Sanders and also like on a devotional candle. Yeah. <laughs> and I was all in, uh, but it sold out, so I couldn't get it. So I wound up getting a Bret Hart shirt and uh, and a Razor Ramon shirt, nice. both of which I'm pretty excited about. Like the Bret Hart shirt has like that kind of like curved text that makes boobs look good, and that Razor Ramon shirt is like a I guess a homage shirt. Like so, essentially, what that means is that it's just like they took like a design from like a 1992 JC Penney catalog and reprinted it, which I'm fine with because it's pretty cool and Razor Ramon rules. So uh that's what i'm that's what i'm doing lately right now i'm wearing uh jb rose uh shibata shirt his wrestler shirt um it is not the 30 dollar shirt on pro wrestling tees that just says the wrestler oh in <laughs> yeah which is the worst it's not the worst we've talked about much worse yet if he's if he's if he's gone from like headbutting himself to death to like conning 
<laughs> dumb dumbs into giving him thirty dollars on pro wrestling tees for two words printed on a black t-shirt like god bless yeah uh because you could like absolutely like go to any whatever craft store like a flea market yeah. you could go to a flea market and get that done yeah for like five bucks you could get a belt like a leather belt and have the word the wrestler engraved on it and be like check out this katsuri shibata belt i i bought <laughs> it's pretty amazing <laughs> direct from japan I forgot that I actually did buy, um, and so when we went to the Shimmer um, show a while back, there was a Mercedes Martinez design that I was like, she was just selling them for the the duration of the weekend, and it wasn't any of the like bad designs that she has. It's just like a very like sportsy athletic design, and I was like, that will make a good back patch. So I did that, cut it out, and made it a back patch for my jacket. Um, it's good. I'm not enterprising enough to make back patches out of stuff. It's good. It says something like, I determine my own fate or something like that. And she's great. Yeah. She deserves money. Yeah, she it's kind of amazing that like she didn't get signed to like teach at the Performance Center, but I guess they only need one girl. Yeah. No, she's amazing and like has been amazing for so long. And I've always like wanted to buy a shirt from her, but I have hated all of the designs. And I was like, I don't hate that design. it's sold out in any size that I could possibly wear. Um, But I will 100% make a backpatch out of that. Yeah, I feel that way about like a lot of indie wrestlers. Like, I would love to buy a shirt from you, but all of your shirts are like trash. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let me redesign. Like, we really need to start our reality show where we redesign wrestlers' aesthetics. Their merch, their look, everything. Or like, just like, all right, this is like, the fact that you refuse to design a good t-shirt over the course of your 15 year career, it's a pretty good argument for like, just have other smaller merch items made, like make me, make me a pin, like give me a sticker, like that kind of thing. Diversify your merchandise. Yeah. That was something I noticed at Shimmer, which really, really bummed me out because the only other merch that they had were like, like boudoir shots because that makes money. That makes money because there's fucking creeps in the crowd, right? Those girls are just reading the room. I respect that. I respect the hustle. No, I respect the hustle too. And I was like, that is so smart because like most of the people in this room are not me, but also like, I want to buy something from you (laughs) and I can't. Yeah. I know that for a while, like at least Veda Scott, um, who's like a shimmer regular, uh, was doing pins. I think that she was working with, uh, with some friends of mine who run a pin oh, company sweet. in Athens, but I don't know. I don't know if they ever, if they ever re up that, but like, if you're a wrestler and you're listening to this and you want like a hookup on pins, I know, I know people, uh, I might be getting some, some, uh, like I apologize in advance, but a friend of mine wants to practice making patches. So I'm probably going to let them practice on the gay community logo. Yeah. I know people, we can get you some stuff done. I know lots of punks. <laughs> like we can get you some buttons, some patches. Like we were talking yeah, about um, on the um, fantasy merch show, like take a cue from, take a cue from bands, have pins. Like it's not even going to be fair. Like when we, when we turn around and have our own merchandise and it like outclasses 90% <laughs> of pro wrestling merchandise. Like, I mean, I feel like if we ever do have shirts, like we've talked a big enough game that we better, we better come hard. Oh, absolutely. Because people <laughs> won't come for our necks. <laughs> yeah. But we also, we also probably shouldn't be talking about, you know, how we're going to, how we're going to run the merch game. Just uh, saying, like, <laughs> just saying, we've got hookups. 
I like I am like an artist friend of mine. Uh, Patrick Dean will be doing a a uh, a big dog style Dusty Rhodes design for oh for my, my God. Zine. I so want a shirt of that so bad. So yeah, it might be really hard bad. for me not to make a shirt out of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's merch watch. But it's fine. It's fine. The main event is uh, is Fake Goth Survivor Series. Jess, you are the actual goth in the group, <laughs> sort of. Tell me a a woman who has only just within the past week purchased her first tube of black lipstick. What what a fake goth is. Okay, so um, my goth roots run deep. Um, I am of that generation that grew up on New Wave and like got into post punk and punk and hardcore sort of through that. But also, like, there was that general sort of, like, underground miasma, like, around the late 80s and early 90s. So, like, you get into, you get into, like, goth and metal and indie rock and hardcore and all of that stuff sort of, like, at the same time. And nobody really wanted to admit that then, but the underground was much smaller than uh, you thought it was with the birth of the birth of rave culture in the suburbs that also became part of it in the like early to mid nineties. Obviously there were raves happening way before that, but um, they didn't come to American suburbia until that time. So you were like an underground kid and you got into all of these things at once really. Um, If you had an adventurous ear and weren't like really invested in one aesthetic or whatever so um but i have always been drawn to uh minor key stuff and loved loved a lot of goth things um enough to where in the late 90s i was a a a gothic babe of the week on a um like a goth web ring or whatever a web ring (laughs) (laughs) um which was just like it was a lot less creepy than it sounded it was just like a way to check in with people who were into the music and like wanted to talk about music and what clubs they were going to and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like most of my reference to goth culture comes from like Tim Burton movies. Yeah. And like, I mean the music and whatnot, like I had like a really weird like childhood where um, everything like cool or dangerous was something that my mom was like pretty into in like the eighties, but like without belonging to a subculture. Mm hmm. That's like kind of the curse of having like a young cool mom is like, oh damn, uh, like I can't, I can't like her favorite punk band was like Fear, <laughs> um, oh, <mom. laughs> like, like like she like Beef Baloney was like practically like a fucking lullaby for my sister. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, and like it was like one of those things where like I I couldn't discover anything uh, because like my mom already liked it, so like goth subculture didn't exist for me like it was just like oh the cure they're a good band i think like i don't know like all the other kind of bands in that like similar vein were were things that kind of like just existed like bella lugosi's dead was a huge song in our house right you know Susie and the banshees yeah my parents too because they like were listening to the college radio station and listening to like our local underground radio station or whatever and my dad is forever like the hippie that did sound at punk shows. Yeah. <laughs> My mom's stories were like largely like getting high in the basement with some yeah. dude. I think his name was like Ronnie, and uh, 
they would like listen to songs on like reel to reel machine. Yep. We had one of those in our house. Yeah. Like it sounds super inconvenient. Uh, like cassette tapes must've been a miracle invention to these people, like akin to the wheel or something. Yeah. Like it's like this thing where like none of, like none of the danger aspects of that like existed for me. Like it was just like, Oh, like you'd like to wear black and, you put like Elmer's glue in your hair or some shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, so, so like the idea of there being a fake goth is, has always been like, until I like met people who were in goth subculture or like punk subculture, or hardcore subculture, like the idea of there being a fake that uh, didn't exist for me. Right. Yeah. Getting into like punk early. Um, I made my dad drive me to my first show when I was 11. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and he like came to the show with me um and it was very sweet that's super adorable it sounds like you and my sister have like a similar trajectory where like my sister was like really into like punk music she was in the hansen for a while you know like that kind of shit yeah. uh and then like she got into punk music and like went to shows and like now she's a mortician with a knife collection so nice, nice. <laughs> um i think she's she's like become like professional goth yeah much like a pro wrestler might only she's like real about it and like doesn't go home and become like a racist biker man like the undertaker <laughs> right but like yeah when you grow up into like heavy into a subculture um this is the fake point is that like posers become like a very important part of your uh in part of your lexicon yeah even though um that is often used to keep um young kids who don't know the the lexicon yet or like don't have the right look or can't afford the right look for me like that was a big thing when I was a punk like is that like I didn't really look like it because I like didn't have the money yeah which is like a big like I think that's like a big thing for like poor queers yeah. right is like not having the money to look like you belong to the, yeah. the subculture that you belong yeah. to yeah it was huge like all of this like all of the like kids I knew who like hung out in Tenley Town or whatever like the, all of their parents were like high-ranking government employees or whatnot um and they all like had money to go shopping in georgetown at commander salamander and like buy cool hair dye and collars and like cool accessories and shit and bondage pants and i did not so, <laughs> so i did not have the look so so it, like the idea of the poser is like often used to keep people out but it's also used to um comment on mainstream consumption of your aesthetic which is what the book that I'm writing is about. Hey. Yay. Books are good. No one reads books, as I've, I've learned. Especially not, like, poetry or heavily academic music journalism texts, so we're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, as a fellow book writer. <laughs> we're fucked. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's... The dialogue is both once about... You know, it's, it is both at once about who is in and who is out, and also, like keeping creeping commercialism from getting a full threshold in your subculture which is interesting like i mean i find that stuff to be like really i don't know i feel like my education or whatever so far as like the scene goes is like that mountain goats record that came out last year mm -hmm. i i learned a lot of band names that like i knew songs of but did not know the band name because like they were just on like a thing that my mom had like a tape that she made or something right we're gonna get you real into sisters of mercy it's gonna happen Oh no, Sisters of Mercy rules. Like I'm I'm good. I'm good with them. <laughs> uh I think I bought a new record by somebody who was on Cherry Red in like the eighties or seventies or something nice. like that. So nice. like 
I I think I'm I'm there. Like I just I don't know. I know I know that there's like a lot of music that I like and that like I don't have like a broad or like a, a diverse taste in. Like I was talking to Robert uh Newsome about this with like country music. Like I feel very similar about that. Which we should do a fake country music uh gimmick <laughs> episode someday. Oh my god. We should. Because there's so much like so much of wrestling is like trying to reach like the mythical like heartland of America. Via like too many rhinestones and too much cocaine. Yeah. Which by the way, I really love speaking of podcasts, I really like that cocaine and rhinestones podcast. It's good. I don't know if you've listened to it, but it's good. I have not. I have not yet. But with all that, all that is a preface. Um, you and I have have chosen five fake goths of which we we must speak. Uh, we overlapped a couple of times. We can start with with my my number one on the list of fake goths, who is like almost like if there was like an ur text for fake goth wrestlers, uh, the man called Sting would be that man like he is he is like the prototypical fake goth wrestler which like i think a lot of people might think like maybe the undertaker but like the undertaker isn't so much like there was like a period where he was like a fake goth like the the ministry of darkness era undertaker but like at the same time i don't think vince mcmahon knew what a goth was when they created the undertaker they were just like all right he's a spooky zombie who looks like he came from like a western movie yeah. like there's nothing He's just a guy with a hat, essentially. Uh, Paul, Paul Bear, like, you might make an argument for him being a goth, but since he's, like, a, a shoot mortician, uh, and I'm really sorry that I just used the word shoot as an adjective, but, like, that was that was his job. Like, he was a mortician, so I think, like, even though yeah. he was, like, Percy Pringle the third uh, fake gay, uh, he has he has more of a claim to, like, gothness than, than most fake goth wrestlers. I will say that the Undertaker's look um, is very Fields of the Nephilim. The Fields of the Nephilim or like Gun Club, like any of those like Western-y goth bands. Um, I will post a Fields of the Nephilim video on the, uh, the thing so that you can see that like the singer really had an Undertaker look. They existed independent of one another, but goth and country overlap in interesting ways. He definitely has a hat, an Undertaker style hat and duster. Yeah, that sounds that sounds super weird. So so Sting though, um, for those of you who are who are uh, unaware of like maybe the the biggest uh, wrestling angle of the '90s uh, that turned into <laughs> the biggest flop wrestling angle of the '90s, um, there was this group of bad guy wrestlers uh, known as the New World Order. Uh, they they wore denim and they had a t-shirt that said NWO and it looked like uh, an edgier version of like the Lee Jeans logo. And people are still buying that shirt. People still buy that shirt because uh, you know like the uh, it's like Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and and Hulk Hogan, uh, three wrestlers that that you may or may not have heard of. Um, but like part of the intrigue with the NWO was that like Hulk Hogan had turned his back on WCW in order to join these two men who were invading from, from the, the New York territory. And like they were sowing the, the seeds of, of mistrust all throughout WCW, which was already kind of like torn into factions because there was the four horsemen and there was um, the dungeon of doom and all these other things. Uh, and so, like, they kind of started spreading rumors that there was, like, a fourth person 
and that the fourth person was going to be Sting. And if you don't know who Sting is, he is a a surfer clown uh, who, <laughs> like, if you if you if you put John Cena in face paint and like tights and uh, and like made him uh, like yell even dumber things than like what John Cena typically yells. Uh, that's essentially Sting, and he was WCW's franchise player because he was typically always a face. There was like no real like he's yeah he had like spiky bleach blonde hair yeah like from his from his like Clash of the Champions match with Ric Flair to essentially the moment <laughs> when he became a sad rafter clown <laughs> he was essentially like '90s John Cena, which is I think honestly yeah like a yeah. fair description of of Sting. Um, and it's not really that insulting to John Cena because like Sting, like John Cena was capable of really good things when he was paired with the right people or when he was really on. Kids absolutely loved him. Kids loved him. And he had a ton of merch. And like, I have a Sting coffee mug uh, from like 1992. I love it to death. Yeah. And like, I don't know, he had like a very distinct look like most face paint wrestlers did. And so like, WCW, which was like kind of also led by Lex Luger, of whom I purchased socks, and uh, Randy Savage, they like started believing Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall, notorious bullshitters all, and uh, were like Sting, like how could you do this, blah blah blah. So like Sting like took off, right? Like he is like fuck you, I don't need this anymore, and like he showed up to like War Games '96 to beat up on Fake Sting, who was like the fourth person. And, and he like left after proving that he wasn't a traitor and everyone in WCW was like very sad <laughs> because they didn't believe Sting like their guy. So like over like the interceding like year uh, between that and Starcade 1997, Sting would appear as a man who had gone from like colorful surfer paint to like black and white face paint kind of like a weird bowl haircut as opposed to like his spiky... Yeah, he grew his hair out. Like blonde thing. Yeah, he, he grew his hair out and stopped spiking it up. And he like wore a trench coat. And he like hung out in the rafters and he would like descend on like a like a rope and like beat the NWO up with like a baseball bat. If any of you have seen the classic 90s goth film, The Crow, uh, <laughs> Sting's look is very The Crow. The Crow, right. Sting's look is so the crow that that look is known as crow sting. And like, I think at Starcade 97, he had like a crow or a vulture or something like on his arm. He was essentially just Brandon Lee, uh, come, come to avenge the evil that the NWO did. But like, this was like a, like, uh, in, in the long career of sting, this era of him as like a sad man who didn't talk and like, just like hit people with the scorpion death drop completely defines his career like he he was this for one year like from 1996 i guess technically to like maybe like april 98 when he joined the nwo wolfpack and started talking again was like sting in like this black and white paint blah 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 and in every iteration of sting post nwo wolfpack uh whether it was his tna run whether it was his run in wwe um he was always essentially crow sting (laughs) when like the sting that existed previous to that was like happy go lucky surfer sting who just wanted to have like a good match and you know be real chased with the ladies and like the sting that exists in black and white face paint is still very much that except for the one year where he was very sad it's kind of like this thing where like that image of him 
like is so indelible and like the theme music that jimmy hart made for that night is actually pretty incredible like very timpani driven and like there's a creepy child saying stuff and there's like fake lightning like crashing down like it's very dramatic but that kind of like difference between like real person with established gimmick and like one blip on the map that like takes this like weird subculture and turns it into a thing like is kind of for me like prototypical fake goth oh absolutely also one of the things that i truly hate about like the look that he's had for the the past 10 years which is like an updated version of the crow look um is that he has a goatee and (laughs) he doesn't shave it and so the (laughs) goatee is like a mark on his chin he also like weirdly never figured out how to continue the face paint to like yeah to like mask his like continually receding hairline so it like ends at like it at weird places on his face yeah it's like like in like uh when you're like new to makeup and you don't know how to blend yet like that's kind of like what Sting's makeup is now and like his jacket instead of being like the like kind of like trench coat thing is like some weird like sergeant peppers thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so like he's like trying to have it both ways and failing at both things um but it's okay because he like again like it's it's like that crow sting is like the antithesis to real guy steve borden who's like a born again christian very boring just a guy um <laughs> like and the fact that there was like zero dedication to it like imo Sting should have never spoken again, like ever. For one, terrible promo, very shouty. Uh, and for two, like, dude, like your entire company like turned its back on you. You should be sad forever. Like all of your friends decided that you were a piece of shit and you weren't a piece of shit. Like wear black and like hang your head in shame forever. Like that's that's it. Like you're done. You can't you can't go back from that. Like you can't be a cool dad after you're a sad man. That's not how it works. That goatee. I'm looking at pictures of it right now. It's so upsetting. I hate it so so much. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he has like a celebrity chef goatee, right? Like it's like a like one of those like pointy triangles. Yeah, it's like a pointy long thing that like goes from his bottom lip all the way to like kind of under his chin, um, and the makeup parts around it, and it's really bad. I mean, the theme song says that he does this and he does that, but it does not say that he is good at personal grooming or makeup applications. So, yeah, he really is like the er fake off from which he was also number one on my list. He is, he is the, the goth from which all other wrestling fake goths. Number one with a bullet. Even the ones who came before him. Which there aren't that many, like strangely. Like there's not like a ton of like 80s fake goths and like I don't know, like, I would never think, I like, of the two, I guess, like, fake Laparka is a fake goth, but, like, real Laparka, L.A. Park, like, that dude's not a fake goth. Yeah, Laparka is something else, like... He's a fucking skeleton. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna... Damien666, like, that dude yeah. looks legit. Like, yeah. I ain't gonna mess with him. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't have any, uh, like, Japanese or, or, or Mexican, like, people on my list because, like, whatever. I just assume that they're, like, they're legit. Like, they know what's up. 
Mr. Pogo is going to carve my ass up if I say anything negative about him. Like, he'll return from the dead and use his fucking scythe, and I'll be dead. I'll be a dead person. But yeah, so it's all, it's all, uh, I got Americans, I got Canadians, and I got one Australian. So, um, who am I to say that evil is not a real, like, goth wizard man who can shoot lasers from his hands? I've never met the guy. He is also, like, I know, like, people have called him, like, a ripoff Undertaker. He's so much cooler than The Undertaker will ever, ever be. I get so mad when I, like, when I hear people saying that. Because I'm like, no, he's so much fucking cooler. He looks so much better all the time. He's way better than The Undertaker. I will say that, like, the, like, the LIJ kind of, like, aesthetic is, is kind of funny to me. Because, like, at first it was very much, like, here's these, like, weird kind of takeoffs on like 90s attitude era characters um oh yeah and like very like each one had a subculture there was like the punk and the goth like sonata's nickname is is cold skull like that's he's the steve austin of the group and like naito does like some weird like eye thingy he's the rock <laughs> um but like those are right like, although sonata yeah. is fucking legit into really yeah. great parkour no i mean like so of funny. course but like these are these are like i don't know like if you were if you were uninitiated and you saw a dude calling himself cold skull or whatever like you'd be like oh like that's that's steve austin like yeah. i don't know like bushi i guess is closer to like 1990s great muda than anybody else or like a like whatever like with this like mist and lipstick and stuff like that um but yeah no like they're like I, I think that evil uh, escapes fake gothery. Like, I think whatever he's cool, he's cool looking. It's fine. He has a fight. I love him. Yeah, yeah. I like. I'm a big fan. Also, his shirts rule. Also, his laser fingers rule. Like, he has a scythe. Like, his hood is like he has like huge giant hood that is extremely cool. Yeah, the Undertaker can eat a dick compared to evil. He's the best. Also, his name is just Evil. That's the skull code. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. I'm not yeah. arguing with that. And his catchphrase is, everything is evil. And he's right. He's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Undertaker said, rest in peace all the time, killed zero people. No, absolutely not. Evil backs his shit up. He's, he's legit. Doesn't belong on this list. Yeah. He's good. He would go to he would go to a Depeche Mode night with me. No, anyone who wears his eyeliner like that, like he's fine. He's okay. I believe it. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that dude loves Jean loves Jezebel. He's into it. He's got his record collection is 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 sick. I am sure. Uh, he's just got like walls of records. Seeing it, I'm seeing it. Um. So, uh, as my number two, I had the closest thing to a real goth. Uh, that there is uh, that like on this list who is Gangrel Gangrel um, who is so intense that he named himself after a character in Vampire's Masquerade and has like done some like legit like he's like I'm gonna be a vampire that's what's gonna happen (laughs) yeah oh god I also forgot I'm looking at his um, right now and I forgot that um, he also uh, before he became Gangrel um, he went through like a, a series of like spooky-ish like gimmicks and one of them was the druid which I had totally and utterly forgotten about 
That's amazing. I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a uh, an eight by ten of Gangrel where he's making the sign for vagina over his crotch. <laughs> uh, yeah. That appears. Yeah, he's he does that in more than one promo picture. He's just way into it. <laughs> it's, it's great because if you click from from one to the other, it looks like he's just dancing from left to right. <laughs> it's sort of like a like a jobber in like the mid 90s wwf went to ecw for a minute wcw for a minute nobody was like having it really and then he came back to wwf and um bruce pritchard and vince russo were like go for it be the vampire that you always wanted to be um and so he and edge and christian became a uh, a faction um, <laughs> called the Brood. Yes, Brood. Yes. They had that like real breathy theme song where it was just like some guy doing like bush machine head breathing. And this is like real late for a goth gimmick too. It's like yes, it's real late for that. Like goth's moment in the like it's like, like 1998. Public eye had kind of come and gone, which means that it was like ripe for pro wrestling, which is always at least five years behind. He had a goblet of blood when he came out um, and would like spit blood in the air, which is like what I primarily remember about him. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, yes. like when he came out, he came out like through like some platform and the ramp that like was a circle of fire. <laughs> he also had a lot of poet. He had like a poet shirt and a ponytail, which is 100 <laughs> percent. Like that's why I'm saying like he is as close as you're getting to a real goth. Yeah. <laughs> on this list um because in 1998 there were 100 dudes at goth clubs with ponytails and poet shirts yeah. um who wanted to talk to you about the goblet of blood that you would have like back at um their apartment um which was like some shitty cherry liqueur i know because those dudes 100 percent tried to take me home um <laughs> And I was like, do, do you not see this haircut? Like, do you not understand what's happening? Nope, you don't. <laughs> but, uh, so he is the closest that you'll get. For real. Oh my god. Yeah, and I mean, like, his derivatives, like, the people who appeared after him, like, I mean, mostly uh, Kevin yep. Fertig in, like, two different roles, like, Mordecai, no, vampire. Uh, who was, like, all-white version of Undertaker, and then, like, Kevin Thorne, uh, Kevin the Vampire. <laughs> yeah, they really, they really shot him in the foot uh, by naming him Kevin. But uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it was because that was like the new ECW. Uh, yeah, like, like I hear that I hear that Kevin like Furtick's like a real nice guy, but like he's definitely like a fake goth. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I love. I will, I will, I will fight I you if you don't like 2006 it. ECW. Uh, real fists. I will. I, I, I love it so much. But yeah, like Gangrel's a really interesting one because, uh, like, that dude. Like, I forget if it was like real or if it's like a rumor. Uh, but like, I think he actually like filed his teeth down to like vampire teeth. Like, he did that shit for real. He was, like, married to Luna Vachon, which is, like, the gothiest thing you can do in pro wrestling. Yeah, and they married on Halloween! Yeah, like, he, like, yeah, like, I don't know. I think that he's, like, pretty serious, but, like, 
when you take that and like reduce it to like a wrestling gimmick, particularly one where your character doesn't like talk or win matches or like, yeah. And I mean, like he had some good stuff. Like I remember he had a match against like X Pac that was really good. Um, but like also like that was like the like the late nineties like Attitude Era WWF where like everyone had a job but like no one got made fun of for it. Like Val Venus, the porn star. Um, yeah. Like or I guess Gangrel the vampire. Uh, he like he was like an officially yep. yeah <laughs> he was like an officially licensed character. Uh, and he's like made made a serious run of it. Like he still wrestles his Gangrel. Um, he still wears the flowy poet shirt. One thing is that his sunglasses, a thing that brings him into fake goth territory, is that his sunglasses were never gothy enough. It was never like the little like round sunglasses, or like they like they were never like wire framed. He just had like Oakleys, which is not goth. He needs the sunglasses because he's a vampire and the lights are very bright. Like I absolutely he needs he needs the sunglasses to protect against the light. But like you get the appropriate sunglasses. You like goths don't wear Oakleys. No, you're right. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I remember, like I just I had his action figure and I like kind of like used red sharpie to make the blood be on his Mm-hmm. which who's still hanging around there was um a, a really good uh 80s night that was like the goth thing to do in chicago for a long time um chicago by the way which is like never never left never left that world um and it was at, at this club called neo which is sadly no longer there and it was so fun yeah. um and there were so many gangrels <laughs> And Neo in its like in its ending days, like so many like dudes in flowy shirts and velvet pants. I'm looking at pictures of him from the AVN Awards <laughs> where he's wearing like a super silver like Chris Jericho shirt and his like his wife is just like kind of like a Playboy Playmate looking thing, so he kinda he kinda downgraded from from Luna. Yes, absolutely. Who <laughs> like are never going to be goth at all. Oh, and like I think also like the fake gothiness of of Gangrel is kind of like amplified by the presence of Edge and Christian. And like more more than that, like they're 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 never going to be goth and they like they looked as uncomfortable like Christian looked uncomfortable in his flowy goth shirt and Edge looked uncomfortable in general. Like they they looked as uncomfortable as as members of the brood as like Jay White does just like breathing. <laughs> he sucks. He sucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I'm not gonna click on it because we're recording a podcast. But like in in like the screenshot for like Gangrel talking about Luna's death, like there's a bunch of fucking like candles and vampire statues there behind is. him. <laughs> He's legit. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not of the subculture, but I think that there's more to him than, you know, just like sitting cross-legged in a bunch of fog. Uh, he, knows, he, knows what's oh, up. Yeah. he knows what's up. He knows. He's also like, I mean, he is a pro wrestler, so he's like way too tan um, to be a goth also, but that's fine. He wears those flowy shirts in public. He's not just fucking around. I don't know. His current, his current wife... Let's see, in 2013, bummer. tried and failed to raise $900 to enter the Miss California pageant, so... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, uh, that's a good mm-hmm. one, I think. Uh, Gangrel. Yes. Vampire was also on my list. Uh, my my number two, and, and someone that I think you probably also have on your list, is another kind of fake vampire, but more fake than Gangrel. Uh, and that would be uh, Vampiro. Vampiro, Vampiro, uh, or as, as he was, I think, known in, in Mexico, the Canadian vampire. <laughs> like, he... He's an interesting guy. Uh, I'm not super familiar with his career because he was like very late era WCW when like everything was awful. Um, but considering that he was brought in uh, largely to feud with Sting on the basis of being another white guy in like white dude face paint, uh, like speaks a lot uh, towards like Vampiro's uh, like shitty fake gothness. Um, he also is like one of those dudes who like in the 90s had like a lot of like cred as like a good wrestler for no reason because he wasn't and he isn't um like it's, it's arguable that like the best match of his career was that one uh against like penta um like pentagon jr on lucia underground which was like extremely edited uh where he like showed up looking like a goth battle pope <laughs> um but like yeah like he I don't know, like, outside of having, like, greasy, like, gross hair, uh, and, like, setting Sting on fire in a graveyard or some shit, like, he is otherwise, like, if you've ever listened to his commentary on Lucha Underground, he's a sentient sublime record. And that's, like, I, like, I feel like I, I can't speak on many things as to what is or isn't goth, but, like, I know for a fact that sublime is not. (laughs) Um, so so yeah, Vampiro Vampiro is uh is I think like definitely the the second biggest fake goth uh in wrestling history next to Sting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the insane cloud posse. They did. Oh my god. Were they like the brothers in misery yeah. or the brothers in paint? Yeah. They were the brothers in paint. Yeah, it was them and like Great Muda and the Insane Clown Posse. It was like him and Sting versus great muda and then at some other point um and then like then he joined up with muda at some other point and then i can't remember whether it was before or after that the insane composite thing happened like great muda's like decline as like a person in wcw is like the saddest thing to trace like he went from being like the super murderer uh because you know like wcw uh like any southern wrestling company any wrestling company in america is like super racist so like anybody who came from japan was like this like legit murderer from the orient uh and like that's what great muda was and it was fucking rad because he was great and did a bunch of cool stuff and like he could beat Arn anderson uh and then like yeah yeah and then he then he was like you know this like member of nwo japan who showed up every now and again and it wasn't good uh in america i hear it was great in japan uh nwo japan was pretty good from what i understand uh and then like and then he was palling around with the insane clown posse i just lent to his wikipedia because i was trying to look up um whether it was before or after the, the insane clown posse thing happened, and it was apparently before the brothers and paint. But 
Um, it also reminded me that um, he fucking brought the misfits to WCW. Wait, Vampiro did? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's like super hilarious to me that like the misfits and Bob Mold were like working for WCW at the same time. Uh, like, I think if you, if you go back to one of like the super early issues of the atomic elbow, um, there's like a recollection of a conversation that Robert had with him where like, it sounds like Jerry only was just demanding title shots from Bob Mole. Yeah. He was like, I'm just a writer. <laughs> like, what do you want from me? <laughs> like as if, as if that was a thing that like Bob Mold had the power to just magically produce. And as if, yeah, one of my favorite like one of my favorite late WCW things uh, that I've ever seen was like, there was like a period of time where Jeff Jarrett was just hitting people with guitars and uh, he was like in a backstage argument with the disco Inferno and like he hit disco Inferno in the head with the guitar and like the, the people who came in and checked on him were the misfits. So you had like a fake country man hitting a fake disco man with his like guitar and then a bunch of fake punk show up. <laughs> like, I don't remember that, and that's amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was it was astonishing. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. I I think that I just saw it. Like, I have a bunch of like C shows uh, on like an external hard drive, so I think it was like on like an episode of WCW Saturday Night. They just had like a video recap of something that happened. Uh, and it was that, and it brought me a lot of joy. Because um, it's hilarious. So, um, so many bad things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so thanks, Vampiro, for uh, being the crux of several really, really bad things uh, towards the end of WCW. Oof. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, the, the Battle Pope look was, like, pretty legit. Uh, I don't think that we've, we've talked about, like, that a bunch. Um, like that was a good look, but also like he also just looked like a sad old man. Like he was like doing like Emperor Palpatine cosplay um with a hat, <laughs> practically. Uh and like it was cool and the match was good. Uh and uh, like cool definitely has like a million quotation marks around it. But like, you know, the idea of him uh you know, reaching down deep and finding like the evil within or something like that, I think is like very classic wrestling storytelling. Like it was like a dumbed down version of like something like Kevin Sullivan might do. <laughs> like when Kevin Sullivan would go from being like, you know, like a university educated wrestler, I have no idea how he headed like a group of like college athletes. <laughs> um, I, like I wish that there was like promos of, of, of Kevin Sullivan, like claiming to be from Harvard or something. Uh, but there's not like he was just the head of the varsity club, but like he, he had the capacity to like reach down deep and like channel like a Buddha Dean and like bring people up from the mists of the oceans and some shit. And like, that's really cool. Uh, and I've always kind of liked that. And, uh, like it, it was cool that Vampiro got to do that for like four seconds. And then like the next season of Lucha Underground opened and like, like Matt Stryker was like breaking him out of out of goth prison or something. <laughs> um, oh my god! I, yeah, there's some, also some um, amazing things in this uh, in this uh, Wikipedia that I did not know about Vampiro, including the fact that he's in a band. <laughs> oh no! Um, yeah, <laughs> an industrial metal band, and that he uh, apparently industrial metal. Um, 
and that he is like 100% a juggalo and like part of that world. Like, I think that a lot of wrestlers are juggalos, um, and for for good reason. Like the juggalos, like the juggalos are super loyal to wrestlers who are juggalos, and like when ICP books people for um, juggalo championship wrestling, like from what I understand, they pay very well. Yeah, they've got a lot of money, so yeah, um, that's for real. But um, I'm gonna have to track track down uh, Emperor's fucking band now let's see if it's on band camp <laughs> so he formed a band in mexico which means that they might not be absolutely terrible but oh, that's a good sign we'll see we'll see there's some there's some tunes on youtube like an irish vampire <laughs> um so uh so that's vampiro um so my number two was sting um so moving on from that um was a uh, so next down not not a not one individual person but a faction um raven's flock also from late 90s wcw they were supposed to be grunge but yes so there was like raven's nest which was like the earlier version of it which was like more legit grunge looking <laughs> and then it turned into raven's flock um, which was like the late nineties and they all turned into like cyber goths sort of. From ECW. <laughs> yeah. They had like um, dudes named Lupus. It's real bad. <laughs> yeah, that that stable is oh, like, yeah, really interesting because like God, outside of Saturn. There's just so many people uh, like, for, like I'm looking and, like, at maybe like the right now and I'm like Canyon. Early. I don't even remember um, Canyon. Like Horrid? Raven's flock was like this dumping ground for like People who were like in the WCW power plant, um, like Sick Boy. Uh, There's just so many people. I for, like I'm looking at the listing right now, and I'm like Canyon. I don't even remember Canyon. Wait, you don't remember Canyon? I don't remember Canyon. Canyon. All right, so Canyon is like kind of a tragic story that we won't get into. But like his whole deal, he was like a late addition to the flock. Oh, Mortis. That's what he is. I rem- okay, Mortis. I remember Mortis. Mortis and, and James Vandenberg would be also really good additions to the fake goth Survivor Series. Um, but like, Canyon was like actually a really good wrestler uh, who I think he, he wound up committing suicide uh, and was like, like as a closeted queer person. Um, oh, poor sweetie. Yeah, like he and he was like a really underrated dude like if you if you go back and watch some of his stuff like he kind of stole the innovator of violence thing from like tommy dreamer but like was a much better wrestler than tommy dreamer Uh, um so like he was capable of putting together a good match and he was like a good annoying guy promo and like one of the best things about late era wcw uh was his feud against ddp uh which was i think the result of him getting thrown off the triple cage uh by mike awesome uh, in the match where uh, David Arquette wins the world championship or something like that. Or no, he loses it. He loses it in that match. Um, and like he came back as like a DDP parody uh, and he like would just like hit people with a canyon cutter uh, like out of nowhere. Like he invented the out of nowhere gimmick. Like, but they're just, be- there's like the super cut of like every canyon cutter from this gimmick and it's like 10 minutes long and it is fucking, it's fucking hilarious. 
nothing but respect. I feel so sad. I feel so sad for him. Yeah, I do too. Um, he was also one of the people who I think sued WWE either over concussion stuff or union stuff in 2004, 2003 or something like that. Um, really interesting person to kind of like look at and also wasn't, I mean, outside of Mortis, like his role in Raven's flock wasn't the fake goth. He was like the fake goth liberator. Right. Um, Saturn though, like, do you remember like when, when Saturn lost like, uh, um, like a loser wears a dress match to Chris Jericho. Yep. Uh, and like he kept showing up in like these like super fetishy like leather wear dresses. Uh-huh. Yeah, that shit made me gay. I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah. Um, like that was oh, yeah. that was a good look for Saturn. I'm sure it fucked with him because like every wrestler who gets forced to do that seems to not really like it in retrospect. But yeah. Saturn Saturn looked pretty legit. Um, he had like the the face tat like piercings and like a bunch of tattoos, and he was ugly as fuck. And he was wearing, um, yeah, the like I, the fetish gear stuff was amazing. Yeah, but like otherwise, it was like, all right, we got Billy Kidman who can do this like cool ass move, like shooting star press. We're gonna put him in a holy t shirt and make him scratch himself a bunch, and it'll be like he has like herpes or some shit. <laughs> um, like yeah. that was like or like syphilis. I don't know. I don't know what an STD where you like scratch yourself a bunch is. What's the seven year itch? Like that's that was the name of his finishing move in a Marilyn Monroe movie. But like, there's like an STD that that refers to. I'm sure. Uh, the seven year itch is uh like what happens when you want to get out of a relationship after seven years. But um, oh, that's a really weird name for like a finishing maneuver that like a 14 year old child had. Yes, it is extremely weird. Um, but yeah, no, Raven's, Raven's flock, full of posers. Full of posers. And that was, like, definitely true of ECW, too. Like, Raven's another one of those dudes who eventually came to, like, live his gimmick, but I think that it's because it's super easy to live a gimmick that's essentially wearing jean shorts and, like, Pearl Jam Mm t-shirts. He was much better as Johnny Polo. Much better. But, like, he's, like, a real highlight of a real dark time in WWF history. Managing the Quebecers and Adam Bomb and things like that. But yeah, no, uh, Raven, Raven's flock definitely belongs there. Uh, I think you could make an argument for Raven's Nest, too. Like, because they were shooting for grunge. Yeah, they were shooting for uh, grunge, but it really didn't land there. It didn't land there, period. Like, I, it's hard to tell anymore. Like, Raven is one of those dudes who, like, I don't know. I think he gets by on, like, nostalgia. But, like, I used to really kind of, like, be able to... Like, stomach has, like, 10-minute promos where he's like, what about me? What about Raven? <laughs> uh, you know, but, like, now, now, like, when I go back and rewatch, like, WCW stuff, which I do all the time in a manner that is, like, unhealthy, like, it's just like, god damn, I really, I want this to end. I don't know. He's he's all right. He's a fake up. And, like, his... He's he's one of those fake ops who's like trapped in his in his hall of mirrors. He can't, he can't escape if he wanted to. During, like, the Raven's Nest, like, period, uh, like... So, like, pre- prior, like, whatever, like, when he was trying to do the grunge thing, he'd wear, like, wear flannels and stuff. And then, uh, as it became Raven's Flock or whatever, he, like, started doing this, like, incredibly bad face paint. Yeah. Uh, which is, like, <laughs> like, a thing that I primarily remember about him is that he had, like, the, like, if Sting's face painted super like lazy, the, like. Like the onk or whatever, like, over his eye. Yeah, he did the onk over his eye. The onk is, like, a huge thing for fake goths. Like, I feel like that's, like, a thing, like, before Chris Daniels decided that, like, defending, like, Nazi cosplay was, like, a good thing, like, he had the whole onk over the eye situation. And he has, like, an onk tattoo, like, on his, like, chest, like, a little tiny one. I think a lot of them read the Neil Gaiman Sandman 
and we're like death or like transmetropolitan. Yep. And we're like, yeah, super into death or whatever. Bad. So bad. Yeah. They just, they wanted to get with her. Yeah. Raven's walk. What a mess. Like Stevie Richards look during that whole period was very like, like late nineties cyber goth. Like he had bad dreads and like, Stevie Richards? No, not Stevie Richards. Stevie Richards looked like a twink. He had like a crop top. Oh, that's right. He had a crop top yeah, yeah. and like other stuff. I'm trying to remember. Oh, that, he had that like torn mesh crop top. Yeah, yeah. Who was it that had who was it that had like bad dreads and looked like a cybergoth? I can't remember who it was. Oh, uh, um, one of them definitely did. I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking of like the bad like w like. Reese or whatever. Um, Van, like there was like Van Hammer. Uh, yeah, I don't know who looked like a cyber goth though. Yeah, no, I, I like dudes with dreads are not are not coming to me right now. Like Evan Courageous had dreads, but he wasn't in Raven's Flock. And the fact that I know that makes me want to die. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, now I'm th- like Stevie Richards is like like torn tank top thing. He's like the torn mesh crop top. Yeah, because he was he was a uh, fake like kevin nash or whatever big stevie cool um let's see here oh the descriptions of raven's flock are hilarious (laughs) on wikipedia sick boy a power plant hopeful who mysteriously succumbed to raven's influence (laughs) (laughs) reese reese was an outsider in his society for his massive size feeling that the outside world was only interested in his physical appearance rather than his true personality he sought solace with the flock, becoming their most intimidating backup weapon. <laughs> Lodi. Uh, Lodi was my favorite. Uh, he had, like, very, like, shiny yeah. pants, so he might have been, uh, you know, the, the, the cyber goth. But he was also, like, kind of, like, a gay tweaker. Uh, it says, Lodi had a psychological need for approval and acceptance, and so became Raven's most loyal lackey. He carried signs to ringside with slogans written on them, which promoted the flock and mocked their opponents, the fans, and sometimes rival promotion. Apparently, this, the body scratching was a heroin addict gimmick, which is super cute. What? Kidman was said to be homeless before meeting Raven, which is, yeah. which is funny because he had a lot of prominent matches. He had something of yeah. a heroin addict gimmick, though this was never explicitly said on WCW television. He constantly scratched his body, a sign of heroin use, and exhibited other behavior linked with the drug, like being able to do flippy moves. Yeah, like I don't remember that at all, and I was like cleaning up around that time. So, yeah. as a as a former <laughs> like I don't think they got it quite yeah. right. Yeah, and then he he turned around and started wearing Tommy Hilfiger shorts, which is a thing that like every heroin former heroin addict that I remember did. <laughs> That's the version of the like you start going to NA and you get super Christian. Yeah, yeah. That's what that is. These are these are amazing. Horace was recruited <laughs> into the group solely because he was the nephew of Ben WCW World Heavyweight Champion Hollywood Hogan. Raven attempted <laughs> to use him to get close to Hogan. That is not true. Like that is not a thing that happened. Who wrote this? <laughs> like this is extremely detailed. And like main like meanwhile the the one for ECW was like Raven's Nest was a large staple that frequently had different members. <laughs> what? Yeah. what is this? You know. Like, which like the best the best member of any of uh Raven's Nest, like other than Cactus Jack, who was like pretty amazing, uh like the anti hardcore Cactus Jack. Uh yeah. my favorite was definitely uh Sandman's kid, Tyler Fullington. Yes. Uh, who's like, Daddy, you're a drunk. I worship Raven. <laughs> 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 that, oh, that might be 
that might be one of like the top five moments in all pro wrestling. Yes, and now so I was Raven. <laughs> so oh, good. so good. Oh my god, uh, we've spent a lot of time on on Ravens now. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, we are now at um, one minute and thirty eight seconds, or what? One hour and thirty eight minutes. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, my, everybody except Ed who will listen to this at the gym. Yeah, I hope you enjoy. Uh, my number three uh, is Hulk Hogan Dark. Oh, um, yes. Which, like, is, like, a real, real simple thing. Like, there was, like, a, a, a brief period in time where Hulk Hogan was filming a movie, uh, if you can believe that. Uh, this was, like, he pre-Hollywood Hogan days. Yeah, he was filming a movie, and I forgot to, like, look up which movie it was. Um, but for the sake of this movie... Uh, he couldn't have a mustache. Like they made him shave his mustache. So that's like a very, um, I can't believe I'm typing Hulk Hogan filmography into <laughs> Google right now. I'm um, sorry. But like, you know, like the mustache is like the big thing for Hulk Hogan and they made him shave it. Um, it was either for Santa with muscles or, uh, it was definitely for Santa with muscles. Like they, they had him shave the mustache for that. Uh, cause Santa has a beard and not a mustache why did they make him do that that doesn't make any sense where's like a picture of him from this oh he's got the mustache oh why didn't he have one well in any case like they made him shave his mustache and like the end result of that was that like they they did that as an angle like which like i think that that's a thing that there should be in wrestling is uh like the loser the loser uh like loses his beard match <laughs> um but like they just oh it was for the secret agent club that's why uh hulk hogan did not have a mustache for the secret agent club and it's weird because he looks like jesse ventura um <laughs> like he's got like a skullet uh it's it's unsettling actually um so hulk hogan had to shave his mustache for the secret agent club and uh the dungeon of doom had the honors of shaving hulk hogan's mustache um and just like sting would later you know like this horrific act of of you know whatever uh made hulk hogan go home and get real sad and he was like uh i'm putting away the red and the yellow brother like i'm i'm coming back and i I, i'm coming back in black and that's what he did like he started wrestling in like black clothes uh and like i think he did he dye his hair black i don't think he dyed his hair black he definitely still blonde blonde, but he had like the black he had like a black headband and like wore a black tank top and was like very in his feelings uh one might say uh and it definitely had a really bad belt yeah and like i feel like this was definitely like influenced by um like if not goth culture then like this idea that like black was like a very like mature like edgy color like if it wasn't if it wasn't hulk hogan becoming the crow it was definitely hulk hogan trying to become like johnny cash the man in black (laughs) um but it's but it's funny because like he couldn't cut like a convincing promo about getting mean to save his life um and like just looked totally out of place and like a huge douchebag um because he is because he is yeah but like that's that's like my like I don't know like kind of my wild card is like the the idea like it'd be like now when people were like Ugh, I don't oh like, I found a picture of him and he has a fanny pack on that terrible belt oh, that's so good or like his weightlifting belt that just is like Hulk on it or whatever 
Um, like when I think of that, like it's like the same thing where people were like, "Why did why doesn't John Cena turn heel?" And it's like, dude, because he's going to be a fucking joke. Like he's got yeah. no reason to be angry. He's like a super rich guy who like people love. Like, right. like there's no right. like no one was saying anything bad about him. Nobody was like accusing him of like stabbing people in the back, though he later would. Um, like he's just like Hulk Hogan, uh, and turning Hulk Hogan like into like an angry man doesn't work. Like he's all about like vitamins and shit. Like at what point, at what point is that like moody? Um, so like, I don't know if it's like technically fake goth or if it's like Hulk Hogan, like being like, man, like a lot of people are wearing black these days. Uh, they must be listening to that. Like, yeah, my brand is edgy. I need to be edgy. I like, I don't know what was like a popular, like nineties, like edgy thing. Cause it was like slightly before like corn. (laughs) <laughs> like if Hulk Hogan, yeah. if Hulk yeah. Hogan were like listening to Corn, <laughs> um, right? That was like the end result. I feel like. Well, I think it was just, like his look is very like like his original look is very like very primary color. It's very primary colored. It's also like there's some overlap with like '80s hard rock, right? Yeah. And so like all the kids were listening to grunge at this point, um, and people were into slightly moodier shit yeah um no hair bands were on the radio um although you can make an argument that like there were hair bands on the radio they were just bush instead (laughs) you know no yeah and i mean like it's it's interesting because that's a look that hulk hogan would like adopt again later in his wcw career uh when he when he was feuding against like billy kidman Right. Uh, with the with the all time great good guy gimmick of I don't like new people wrestling, uh, <laughs> where like instead of like the you know like you know the man in black thing, like he wore like a vest that said like F U N B on it, like fuck you new blood. Um, like yeah, so like that like Hulk Hogan Hulk Hogan dark uh, being a thing that he would lean on uh, occasionally is is something that I think is is worthy of inclusion here. Oh, absolutely. It's just like. When you you need when your career needs a little revitalization, yeah. you uh, you reach for you reach for the edge and the edge is dark. Wear black. Wear black. Wear black. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's my number three is Hulk Hogan dark. Word. Hulk Hogan dark. Um, jumping up to the the present day, let's talk about let's talk about how uh, Marty Scroll's look is like every bad like goth club cliche like rolled into one um yeah i feel you're gonna have to take this one because i like i immediately like hit the forward 15 button until i don't see his face anymore like (laughs) like we all know that like party marty is like not that dude at all he, like his spirit is not dark in the least bit. Um, he, I don't think that like any British wrestler who has like an edge, like Jimmy Havoc, is also probably no. not edgy no. or like whatever. No. That dude is like definitely no. I don't know. Not. I don't know what to say about him because I don't watch British wrestling. I think it sucks. <laughs> not in the least bit. Like not at all. Um, but his look is like everything about it is like bad late 90s like what was actually happening in golf clubs in the late 90s um aside from the dude with the poet shirt and the ponytail um 
<laughs> there was a lot of super bad fetish wear and a lot of like Victorian like cosplay shit that was really bad. Oh, oh man. I loved the Victorian cosplay stuff though. Like legit one time at a bar, um, a friend of mine and I were there and uh this is like in Philadelphia, like maybe the first time I ever visited Philly, and like this guy was reading the newspaper. Um, but he had like a burgundy like poet shirt, <laughs> like a very floaty right. shirt on. Uh, and I swear to God, like he, he started talking to us and he was like, Oh, like, what are your names? And we like did the standard like introduction thing. And he was like, Oh, my name is like Steven or whatever. But the goths call me Byron. Oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my which, God. Which like, yeah, I definitely laughed in that dude's face and, uh, probably ruined his life. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I was a very, I was a very different person in those days. Uh, I think now I probably could have kept in my my utter disdain for his his existence. Um, but yeah, like those those dudes, like the the Victorian cosplayers, are definitely my favorite. Yeah. So like, obviously, his look is like half Batman villain, half like Victorian cosplay, like late nineties goth. I I hate the umbrella. I hate the top hat. I hate the. Uh, the plague mask. <laughs> um, I hate the double trench coat that he wears. Like it's got like a little capelet on it. Um, oh, it's wow. really bad. Um, got his little umbrella. Yeah, there's like he has way and too many accessories wings. happening. Yeah, he's got a lot of accessories. Like, way too many. So what's like proper spike placement? Um. Well, first of all, like arranged in neat rows. The ones that are on his plague mask are actually fine, even though it's like a terrible steampunk look. I mean, it's a plague mask, so there's nothing fine about right. it. <laughs> right. But like they're in they're inappropriate rows. But like um <laughs> he has like like his terrible trench coat or whatever has like a really bad back patch, like a, an assortment of back patches. That are all for himself. Probably. Yeah. Also, he's a member of the Bullet Club, so like, how goth can yeah, you he be? Count. Um, you obviously can't. Um, but the uh, so there, there's just like one row of spikes along the shoulders, and then like a couple rows at the um at the cuffs of this jacket. Um. And they don't look like neatly aligned at all. Like it takes a long, having studded jackets before, like it takes a really long time and it, you have to be very careful with it. Yeah. That's why all of my studs or all of my jackets are like very virginal when it comes to like studs yeah. or anything that takes effort to put on there. Like no patches. People will fucking like roll up on you about that stuff. Yeah. I, I think I asked like Ed once if it was cool to like staple patches into a jacket <laughs> and. <laughs> They were just like very sad. Like I don't know. I just wanted a patch, and uh, I don't want to sew it. Like my hands are very bad. I'm like googling his different looks right now, and there's one where he has a spiked bandana, which you would never ever do. Oh. Um, never in a million years. Um, he has the glasses that Gangrel should have had—the like round glasses. Give those to Gangrel. He's way more goth than you are i mean i guess i've always kind of like wondered about him like what the actual inspiration for his gimmick was i feel like it's gotta be like the penguin right yeah but like no 
like there's no version of the penguin outside of one that exists in like a very terrible like video game that came out post Marty Skrull. Um that like the penguin is kinda like him. Were he like steampunk penguin? Yeah, but like I don't know, like the penguin, like the umbrella part is definitely the penguin, and I think like the bird thing is the penguin, yeah. but like the penguin also like in zero versions of the penguin has like flapped his arms around <laughs> while like right. going like caw caw or whatever. I hate that <laughs> move so I hate it so much. much. The only thing that I hate more than that is like his like oh, I just broke your fingers, mate, thing, where it's like, dude, you do that every match, and, like, nobody has ever... Yeah, they're like, all fine. Of it. They're all okay. Yeah, they're all fine. Um, so I think someone told me that, like, the way that he gets the slap, and I'm doing the thing that, like, I... You're doing the flapping the knee thing. Yeah, but, like, I found out that it was him, like, slapping his biceps against his, like, sides, and for whatever reason, like, that grossed me out a bunch. It's really gross. It's also way more, like, chicken wingy than that move that he does. It's also, yeah, I don't know, like, he's, like, he he's, like, making a career out of doing, like, a, a violent version of, like, the armpit farts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't stand him. Like, the sight of him makes me very mad. Yeah. Oh, he's, he is awful to, he is awful to look at he's awful to look at when everybody in like the early 2000s hated x-pac because they have no taste in wrestlers uh like that's how i feel about marty Skrull. like in 2000 how do you hate x-pac I, like i don't know they were like he's he's being forced down our throats as the cruiserweight champion and yeah but he's good yeah he is good he's really good he's great at what he does and uh people hated him to the point where he had like an Uncle Cracker theme song, which is like among the great unheralded theme songs, mm-hmm. uh, where like the lyrics are like, uh, "I got everything I wanted, and I never had to ask why." <laughs> like, I know you hate X Factor, like blah blah blah. Like, it's like this great theme song, uh, which is like a weird thing to say about Uncle Cracker, but it's true. <laughs> uh, Uncle Cracker has one banger, and it is X Pox theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing! Uh, it was definitely not following me. I say this as a as a native Detroiter. Uh, Uncle Cracker's one contribution to society is uh, is Xbox theme song, and by extension, I think that's Kid Rock's one contribution to society. <laughs> right. <laughs> Another thing that super sucks about Marty Scroll is his hair, um, which like oh, so bad. Like you don't get an undercut and then a tiny ponytail. Like, like, what is it with wrestlers who, like, make legit money not getting actual haircuts? Yeah. Why do you have an undercut and then a tiny fucking ponytail? Like, I know that dude can find a barber or something, yeah. like, in London. Like, that's just, where he's from, right? Yeah. Like, just get like the, a cool get the shit. hip-hip cheerio guy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, he just needs to get, he needs to get a new haircut. Uh, but, like, not, he's not one of those wrestlers that could like be totally redeemed by going bald. No. Like he's not Baron Corbin. No, he's not Baron Corbin. Uh, who just needs to also, get rid of it. Get rid of it all. Like he would have been a good choice for the for the fake off Survivor series too. Mm-hmm. Although his thing is really like fake crust. Um NXT he was fake goth. Yeah, NXT he was fake goth and his he is That was like goth by way of Dusty Rhodes. Right. Like listen here <laughs> um like the women they really like the fat boy. Like that was yeah. that was one million percent Baron Corbin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what the women like. 
yeah. I think my, my, my made-up NXT name for him uh, was Sad Biker Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> with umlauts over everything that can have umlauts yeah. uh, according to the rules of grammar uh yeah like that's that's baron corbin um marty skrull though like yeah he's he's one of those dudes who like is like a goth but only at like conventions um and only only in the style of like those like dress up games on iPhones <laughs> where like your boyfriend breaks up with you and to to get revenge, you must dress in a black feather dress. Um, and, like, that's Marty's girl. Oh, it's so bad. Like, he... It's horrible. Like, every, like he's a fake cop. He does, like, fake fetish stuff. I hate it. I hate it. I, I like... I think I'm on record as saying that the only person from the island of England or Britain or whatever you're supposed to call it is... Zack Sabre Jr. Um, like Zack Sabre Jr. looks like the kind of guy who like really liked the Smiths growing up and kind of regrets it because yeah, Morrissey's a racist. I am sure that that's um, true. Like, <laughs> uh, he just looks like he looks like, like a million hardcore kids that I know and love. Um, yeah, and that's because he is one, and he has great like, taste in music, and he's smart and cool and. And his look is entirely consistent with who he actually is. He doesn't really have a character. Like, he plays it up, you know, like, he, he gets to, like, like play it up um, heel-wise. Yeah. His character is that he's friends right. with El Desperado, right. and that's pretty cool. Um, but, like, meanwhile, like, all of his compatriots, like, Marty or, like, Will Ospreay or whatever, like, they look like dudes who, like, are friends with people who actively go to white nationalist meetings yeah. and say that like he's not a bad guy. Right. They're friends with cowboys. <laughs> yeah, like or like I don't know. I think Will Ospreay is like closet proud boy. Oh yeah, I see it. That dude. That dude has a lot of opinions on on booking Mexicans and his vanity promotion. Oh, he sure does. He sure does. Uh, yeah. No, Marty Skrull's trash. Fake goth all the way. Um. My 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 number four, uh, and we can cut it at four. We don't got to talk about number five, which is just corporate ministry stuff. Uh, which my my pick for the corporate ministry of of all the fake goths is Vince McMahon, um, who like hired the Undertaker to fake crucify his daughter <laughs> <laughs> in, in order to fake crucify Steve Austin. <laughs> oh my god! In a manner yeah. where like they couldn't say crucify because it was like freaking. Like, it would have freaked people out or whatever. Um, like, the world would have made, like, Kurt Angle at the ECW arena and been like, I can't handle this. Right. Um, but, like, Vince McMahon in his, like, velvet uh, robe, uh, yeah. like, as, like, the higher power or whatever, like, that's very fake goth. The whole corporate ministry is, like, Shane McMahon wearing, like, black button-ups mm-hmm. uh, that had, like, a sheen to them. Yeah. Uh, but like yeah Vince McMahon is like the king the king of, of the corporate ministry fake goth aesthetic um, but the dude that we gotta talk about the most uh, out of like any recent person uh, more than Marty Skrull even is uh, is Jay White yes. Switchblade himself um, we, we busted on him before uh, I think you called him uh, two Danzig stacked on top of each other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which is the only like that's the only likable thing about him. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so like, if you're at all familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, you've probably been forced to look at Jay White, who, like, I don't know, like, people say that Jito or Jado or, well, those are two different people, uh, Gato, uh, is, like, some kind of genius uh, booker person when, like, at best, like, New Japan clocks in at, like, two good matches a show, which is, like, good. Like, that's good. Um, but also, like, I don't think that there's been any variation in New Japan storyline telling outside of, like, Chris Jericho's here, and he's a WWE person, and that's how he wrestles. Like, that's how he fights. Like, look at him bloody someone with a ring bell. You haven't seen that since Ricky Steamboat. Right. Um, I mean, I think most of it is people who are... Um only watch WWE and are like, oh my god, these matches like move so much faster, and people are actually which is like honors, and it's like cool. Which like I don't know. I found I found like a lot of like I like the storytelling style of like these people are getting to know each other through endless series of six and ten man yes. tags. Um, like I think that's fine, and I don't have to watch all of it. And like I know that like the match is going to end up being good. Like Okada is a brilliant wrestler. Um, how much of that has to do with, uh, with Gato, I have no idea. Um, but the thing that Gato does not do, uh, which is like similar to like promotions like Evolve or Ring of Honor, is that he does not give up on projects that have clearly failed. Um, and the biggest project of his that has clearly failed is Switchblade Jay White, who is, I think, still, as of this recording, the reigning defending United States champion because uh, to, to the Japanese, I think Australia and America are the same thing. <laughs> um, like there, hasn't, there hasn't been an American to hold that title. Uh, a Canadian won it. <laughs> an Australian beat him for it. And I think that it's like the same kind of situation as the United Kingdom title where it's largely defended on non-American soil. <laughs> um, and it's held by people that I could give a shit less about, like Switchblade Jay White, um, who, like, definitely, like, he's a Spencer's Gifts version of a goth. Like, he's not even, like, Hot Topic. No, like, because Hot Topic really have angst in their souls. Um, and Jay White has zero angst in his soul. Like, Jay White, Jay White looks uncomfortable to pretend that he has right. angst in his soul. Like, he bought that can of like black shit that you can spray in your hair to turn your hair black for a night and is really, really, really hoping his mom doesn't see pictures right. of him in the morning. Right. He's like, I'm going to the cool kids party. I got to look cool. Um, and so that's what he does. And he looks really uncomfortable and bummed out. You, you were on record as saying that Jay White had made a turnaround though. And have since, made your way back into the light like what happened with I know, him i am i am fully 100 percent wrong like for a minute i was like oh maybe he looks a little bit com- he looks a little bit more comfortable in the ring like maybe he's kind of growing into this character and then i was like nope nope absolutely not no he's still trash isn't it like um, really sad that like it's it's like the level of discomfort that he has that like puts yeah. me off of him like it's like yeah. i don't know like he's probably like not a like fun person to talk to in real life either but like uh he just he he doesn't look like he enjoys what he's doing no he looks he looks so scared um and so uncomfortable and so like he exudes i don't belong here which is not what you want to do in a wrestling ring like the entire thing about 
any wrestling character heel face, no matter what the like personality of that person is, is that you have to be like, I fucking belong here. Like, yeah. And he's so plain besides that too. He looks like he's, he wrestles like a, like just another white guy who's watched a lot of Tanahashi matches. Yeah, totally. Like, which like, at least with like Seth Rollins and, uh, Verbal Devitt, like they were doing stuff way before that. And they are like good wrestlers on their own accord. Right. Like I don't, I don't think that Jay White has anything in him beyond like. Does he do the switchblade right now, or not the switchblade? Uh, wait, yeah, the sling blade. The sling does he blade. do the sling blade? Um, I don't know. Like he seems like the type that would do a sling blade, like just like in the first quarter of a match for no reason. Yeah, he do- like his yeah his wrestling doesn't make any sense at all either. Like the discomfort extends to like his like footwork and like what he's like like the arrangement of the moves that he does like none of it makes any sense and it just seems like jumbly and weird his gear sucks his gear totally his, sucks his merch sucks like we didn't i don't think that we mentioned we've mentioned it but like he actually does have a knife pervert t-shirt now yep um which like is like kind of the ultimate in like a dude who is like angry at being like made fun of for how ridiculous he looks trying to turn it into a positive Mm -hmm. because there's like there's there's no way that that dude was happy about how far and how fast knife pervert traveled absolutely not absolutely not um so but now he's just like well the internet loves it so i might as well try to make some money on it yeah I may as well, I may as well get that, like, that sweet pro wrestling tease money. And the thing is, I have so far seen zero people cop to owning or wearing in a crowd a knife pervert t-shirt. Yeah. yeah he sucks. He sucks. Speaking of the misfits who are fake punks, he has, like, a switchblade misfits, like, thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but is that, is that, is that because of the misfits aspect of the misfits or is that because he's two Danzig stacked on top of each other and he's trying to get that money back? Right. It's because he's two Danzig stacked on top of one another. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to join. He heard me say that. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's going to, he's going to take Glenn's place the next time the misfits are booked at Riot Fest. Oh my God. Um, that travesty. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. They pay me money sometimes. Yeah. Get Probably there. not if they listen to this podcast now. <laughs> the article that Colette wrote for Riot Fest is like the one and only time I think I will ever share a Riot Fest thing. It's really good. Yeah, I'm just going to keep burning bridges though. Like they're the only place that'll pay me to write about wrestling anymore. So <laughs> that's cool. Um, I do not hold yeah, it against right. you. Um, but yeah, geez. Like, yeah, Jay White, he's, he's a bummer. He's a bummer and a half. He's just like a confused yeah. Kiwi. He's a confused little Kiwi who doesn't know what he's doing. Got thrust into this character that's like, it's like John Depp and Crybaby and Glenn Danzig and um I don't know. Like he's just real tough and he's got a switchblade. So there's like nothing yeah. to it. He's tough he's tough with two Fs. Yeah. He's he's like the no like the no fear logo, but like without irony. Right. <laughs> um God, yeah. He's no, he's fundamentally not tough. He looks confused and weirded out in the ring. Yeah. And like I don't even remember what he was like as a young lion anymore. Like he he's just completely, you know, 
the fake goth that he is until he yeah. no longer is that, which will be never. Cause I'm sure like everyone seems to have talked themselves who's in like a position of power uh, in wrestling into believing that he's like worth continuing to promote. <laughs> I would have like, after that Tanahashi match, I would have just fired him and been like, good luck, dude. Like, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, like, people mad about, like, the continual Roman Reigns push. Like, are, why are you not mad about the Jay White push? <laughs> like, at least Roman Reigns has good matches. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like poor Roman Reigns is, like, the the whole thing about Roman and, like, John Cena before him and every other, like, hot dude who's been given a title is that, like, Essentially, the reaction to him is, like, a reaction to the fact that women enjoy wrestling. Right. <laughs> like, right. that's what that is. Uh, the reaction to Jay White is just a dude who is not comfortable in his own skin, let alone his gimmick, uh, having mediocre matches that, were, that last for 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and his entire aesthetic is terrible. It's so, like, I think about the pants a lot, and they really upset me. Yeah. They're so bad. Yeah, with all... With like that's either keeping track of all the knives that he's a pervert for, or all the people he stabbed with a knife, and we've never seen like proof of the second one, so it must be the first. I like how they just like stopped having him do promos too, like after that first like knife pervert promo yeah. or whatever. Or like that one, like the the promo that he did to build up his match at like Strong Style yeah. Evolved or whatever, yeah. which was like a fucking joke. where he like licked the knife or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like where he like buried like uh who was he wrestling it was like kenny omega or yeah. something like that like yeah it was that was the match where like the bullet club turned yes, on kenny it was. um so he's like oh like the bullet club mate like blah 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 like you're all a bunch of sad people and that's why i didn't join you i, I decided to be a sad person in chaos <laughs> <laughs> like, and like okada's like okada like like he's just like eh, like about Jay White like being around like he's just like this is like oh I think that's the way he is about like everybody outside of the immediate circle of like him Toru Yano and Tomohiro Ishii True. like they need to like just like kick everyone else out of chaos like Rapongi 3k like y'all are fine but get out of here like I don't need no no secondary follow-ups to Rapongi. They're fine, voice. but they can also like hang on their own. Like they don't need a faction. Not everybody has to be in a stable. Um, like honestly, like I think that like a lot of stables would probably benefit from being smaller. Yeah. Also, if it was just Okada and Ishii and Yano, it would be so good. That would be so good. It'd be so good. Like it just needs to be them. I and, love them like Tomohiro Ishii so needs to be given. Like, nine straps, like Ultimo Dragon. Yes. Come here, like, he's the best in the world and no one gives a shit. But he's so good. Oh, uh, Toriano should be IWGP champion. Like, I think he should be the one to end Okada's run, and I'm not even kidding about that. Oh my god. I am picturing him burying Okada in a, like, cairn of DVDs, and it is beautiful. Yeah, like, yeah. How about, like, he just hits him in the nuts and fucking small packages him and fucking wins a title for, like, a month. Yes. And then he does the Rainmaker pose and a bunch of DVDs fall from the sky. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're way off the beaten path here. Uh, way off the beaten path. Anyway, Jay White sucks. Jay White sucks. Uh, our fake goths, our fake goth Survivor Series. Uh, um, I had Sting, Vampiro, Dark Hulk Hogan, 
Jay White and uh, honorable mention to to corporate ministry Vince McMahon. Yeah, and I had uh, Sing Vampiro Gangrel Ravens Flock as an entity. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and Marty's girl. And Marty's girl. God damn it! Oof. The fake the fake goths of today are much worse than the fake goths of the '90s, and that's saying something considering that Sting and Vampiro existed. <laughs> yeah, it's because they have like access to the internet and can look up like things that they think are like somewhat proximate to goth culture without having any knowledge of it. I mean, at least, at least, like Sting and Vampiro were working from uh, the Crow. Like, I don't even know what, the, like, what, like, what is Marty Skrull's excuse? Right, <laughs> but like Sting and Vampiro were working for the Crow. Gangrel's working from Vampire the Masquerade, and like Anne Rice novels. Right. Right. Yeah, there's no excuse. Like, fake goths shouldn't exist anymore. Like, you either got to have a, like as much dedication to fake gothery as like. Darby Allen does to whatever he's into. <laughs> <laughs> um, death. I think that dude's just into death. He wants to die in like the worst so, way. Yeah. Um, or you go yeah. home. Like, there's no need. Like, it's it's like we we constantly talk about how like wrestling is so much more realistic now than it ever has been in terms of like people's gimmicks and stuff like that. Which is code for most wrestlers don't have gimmicks. Um, but also like the ones who do don't have to be fucking fake about it. Like if you're if you're right. like if your choice is between fake goth and like regular dude, regular dude will make you just as much money. Also, like if you are on the same show as Evil, yeah, um, you better step it up because Evil's real. You better fucking step up because he fucking has a side <laughs> with dangling crosses and skulls that come off of it. He's not fucking around. Yep. You can't call like see like that's the thing like people wanted us to put evil on this list you can't put evil on this list because evil is the truth he's real he's real he's real i'm gonna fucking tweet him from our account and ask him what his favorite goth record is you should probably do that because i don't know anything about goth music it's cool (laughs) it's cool it's cool that's cool. Um, um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you if his answer is true. Or not. All right. All right. Um, but I believe in him. I believe in him because he has a fucking five and a beautiful hood. Yeah. A, a beautiful giant, like silken hood. Also, it's pro wrestling. If you can't believe that evil is a serious goth, what can you believe in? Yeah. Did people say there's no kayfabe left because of the internet? Whatever. Evil doesn't. Evil doesn't take his fucking purple hair off when he gets home like Marty Skrull does his plague mask. Yeah, absolutely not. Play with those laser fingers all the time. <laughs> I'm picturing him like on a date. <laughs> <laughs> just laser fingers. <laughs> like at the fucking Izakaya. Just <laughs> gaze into the lasers. Yeah. Alright, we should probably right. bounce. Um do you have anything to plug before before we hit the music? Um, I don't think so. Um what? Where can we find you on Twitter? Um, you can find me at Modernist Witch. Um, you can read the Bandcamp Daily, which I help to edit. Um, and I um, write for as well. I've got some pieces coming up in other locations as well. Um, but they're not out yet, so I can't look them. 
you can follow our podcast at Gear Switch Pod on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Colette Aaron, C O L E T T E A R R A N D, um, where I am posting uh, the revitalized version of Date with a Wrestler, which prior to this was the most enjoyable thing I've ever done in wrestling. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, other than that, you can also uh, contribute to my Patreon account, uh, patreon.com slash Colette Aaron. Um, check out my zines uh, at fearofaghostplanet.bigcartel.com and uh, yeah just uh, keep listening to this extremely long podcast <laughs> now put your drinks up it's time to make a toast they never thought that